Hello, welcome to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Happy Friday. I have no idea where you are right now listening to this podcast. But on behalf of I Am The Code, the girls and the entire team, I want to say thank you so much for being here. We had lovely feedbacks from our Dare To Be Visible campaign. And I want to thank you because you gave us your videos and it's still going on. Messages are still coming. I said all the time that each time you support I Am The Code, you're elevating young women and girls globally. So your support, your donation means a lot to all of us at I Am The Code. We are also preparing season four. It's coming up. We're just finishing season three. And getting excited, we have invited so many beautiful people who'll be joining us to share the experiences, the wisdom, and how they coped with COVID-19. Can you imagine? One year, one year we are in this. It's really fascinating. Thank you for subscribing and sharing the podcast with your friends. It means a lot to all of us. Talking about sharing, loving, caring, compassion, all of that, I want to tell you something. My guest this week is beautiful. She's amazing. She's from Uganda. She's one of our ambassadors. Her name is Evelyn Nabara. I got to meet Evelyn in 2012, nine years ago. I was organizing some events across the world, and it was all about climate change issues. It was the first ever event called Apps for Africa. It was funded by the State Department with my dear friend, John Gozier. And we really went to Africa, and I stopped in Uganda where I met Evelyn Namara, beautiful woman. She's a woman in tech, an entrepreneur. She's now the founder of Vouch Digital, and she's doing amazing work across Africa and really looking into the fintech, how do you support customers, the entire supply chain, really supporting everyone. We need her solutions in the continent. I really hope that you can connect with her after this podcast. We've been discussing STEM subject, health. She's very healthy and fit. I love her meditation, her Instagram posts. She's just like really awesome woman. We also, I think she taught me something about taking care of your health. Because if you're not healthy, you have nothing. And I think eating well, sleeping well, taking care of your health, connecting with the right people, having a positive mind is really important right now because we are so bombarded with so much information but it's important that we take care of our health and really hope you enjoy my conversation because i've learned a lot and i've decided to actually take care of my health i've been taking care of my health but i think she really emphasized on that and so i hope you do too i will see you on the other side and uh, enjoy the conversation i'm very pleased to be here with somebody i know for a long time this is the right time i think for her and i to have a long chat because she's done amazing work across africa and across the world her name is evelyn namara evelyn are you there yes i'm here <laughs> oh so lovely to hear you how are you doing it's a lovely sunny day in kampala so i wouldn't complain it's nice and lovely and sunny here i'm so happy to have you on the i am the code podcast thank you so much so every time I, I invite people on the podcast, I tell them why I invited them. So let me tell you why I invited you on the podcast. First mm -hmm. of all, we, you and I know each other for a very long time, but I've been always, how do you say it? I've been always impressed with your attitude, your kindness, your dignity, your beauty, always keeping your health. And I remember meeting you nine years ago in, in Kampala. I was like, this young woman, she's like really dynamic, but you knew what you were talking about. And you're one of the women in tech in Africa. And that really impressed me. And then the second thing I think you did that I'm really, you know, proud of is you are, I am the code global ambassador, but you present other people brand and, and we, you are always 
I think, present, loving, and authentic. And I think that in Africa right now, we need women, young women, especially this generation. We're older than you, but I think we need a new generation that building innovations, but at the same time, know who they are. So I want to thank you so much for coming and welcome to the I Am The God podcast. Thank you for having me. Really, thank you. It's such an honor to be speaking with you today. And like you said, we've known each other for a very long time. Just being hosted on your podcast is one of the things that I consider an honor of my life. So thank you. So how are you doing? You said you are in Kampala? Yes, Kampala. I'm doing really well. We just had our election in Kampala. Everything is now, okay, I would say calm, but come and collected. We're just doing work as usual. And uh, I'm in good spirits. I'm in uh, good health. So I can't complain much right now. That's really amazing. How have you been uh, coping with COVID-19 then? I can see you are very healthy. I'm sure you've been going running and doing the things you do. (laughs) COVID-19 was a very hard situation for everyone. It depends on how badly hit everyone was, but it was such a hard situation, especially for people. If you're an extrovert like some of us you love being out with people just seeing people's smiles just being inspired by the energy of people I sit at an innovation hub space so for me being with people with colors out there it just motivates me a lot so with COVID hitting it was so much harder because the whole world was forced to adopt, stay home and do things differently in order to be safe. So that was really tough in the first months. But as the time went on, I think you get your adapting mechanisms and you move on. So yeah, it was quite hard in the beginning, but then later I had my coping mechanisms. And like you said, I love to work out. I would work out at home and it became a much better way of dealing with it. I love the Instagrams, by the way. I've been stalking you. I just want to put that out there for girls and boys to hear me out. I love the hair. I love the skin. Like, seriously. I said, how come the brands are not calling Evelyn Namar? What's going on, people? Come on. (laughs) Thank you so much. Do you feel beautiful? I do feel beautiful. And it takes a long time. Sometimes... I think when you're growing up, depending on what standards of beauty you subscribe to, people might say you're beautiful or you're not. But as I grow up as a woman, I've begun looking at the beauty, defining my own beauty. And I absolutely love the woman I'm becoming because I'm defining that woman as I go. I know what Uh, means a lot to me. I know that my health means a lot to me. So I know the things I call beautiful and I am comfortable in that definition of who I am. I can tell you that I'm one of your number one fans. And one of the things I love about women is uh, women who take care of themselves. And I absolutely love that. You and I know each other for many years now, I will say nine years, but you also hustled a lot in life, right? You struggled and you tried to build your business. You are a famous entrepreneur in Uganda, always thinking and creating you know, hubs and things like that. And I was lucky to meet you actually in 2012 when uh, I came to Uganda to create the Apps for Africa. I've been very lucky to be one of the co-founders of the Hive Collab. And that's where I got to know you. Looking back now, we've everything we said now, the Hive Collab and all the organizations in Uganda. When you think back now, what do you really say that you've done amazingly well that is keeping you consistent and keeping you who you are right now? It's been quite a journey. And like you said, nine years, it feels like I've known you for even more, decades more. And 
for me, one of the things that I consider very powerful in my life is always having people that I emulate, that I look forward to in front of me and saying that I need to be something more. At every stage of my journey, whether it was me doing undergrad, I had a woman that was two steps ahead of me and I said, I need to be like that woman. And when I got to that point, I made sure I found another woman that I said, I need to be like that next woman. So it's the grounding in knowing that, especially when we were coming up, there were few role models, few mentors, but knowing that there are people who are trying to do things that are amazing, that are awesome, that you can look up to. That was one of my motivating factors. Like you said, it's been a very tough ride. I wouldn't say I've had it easy. It's been a hard ride of learning, of evolving, of understanding how to deal with yourself, but also to deal with the industry and the people around you. But I would say that one of the biggest motivator, whether it was a Doka Smudoni when I was at uni or whether it was you, Mariam, when I was studying my career as a woman in business, it's been a lot of mentors and champions who don't even know they had a role, but they actually did have a role in building the ultimate woman that I've turned out to be. I'm really proud of you, Evelyn. Let's go back a little bit on your childhood. Let's probably... Talk about it, how you started, because many people might not know how you started. They see you now on Instagram. They see you creating innovation in Uganda, but they actually have no idea how you fought hard to be where you are, to get visibility, to have a presence in your country, to fight hard. Would you mind just telling our listeners where were you born? I know you were born in Kampala, but... How was your childhood like and how did you manage to get into the tech sector in Africa? I was born in Uganda, of course, and born to very normal parents in Kampala, uh, in Barara, actually. They are in Barara right now. That's where our ancestral place is. Barara is one of the districts in Uganda. And I am the only girl of three brothers. One of the things that has been significant in my life is that growing up as a young girl, we were a very normal childhood, normal livelihood, but I used to love to do the things that my brothers did. So whether it was playing football out in the field or running and creating cars using wires, I love that I had that flexibility of doing that with my brothers and my parents made it normal for me to do that. So it was quite a normal thing for us to do. But it wasn't a very easy journey. For me, going into technology, my father, who was a doctor, now retired, always wanted me to be a doctor. Like he was like, I think you're the girl who will take over from my practice. And he did everything he did to try and take me into being a doctor. I remember after I did my form four, I done sciences, of course, and he wanted me to join a nursing school so that I can go become a doctor, a nursing practitioner. And I remember sitting down at that point and said, listen, dad, I don't think I love chemistry. (laughs) Chemistry was not one of the subjects I loved growing up. I really didn't. So you had a very strong will from the beginning. Yes, I had a very strong will. I'm like, listen, I love physics. I love mathematics. I excel at those other science subjects, but chemistry is not for me. And I don't think anyone can be a doctor without being very good at chemistry or biology. And I'm good with the numbers. I'm good with physics and the other subjects. But one of the things that I found really profound is that my dad allowed me the flexibility to do whatever I I wanted. So after my form six, 
he enrolled me to a university near our home in Barara and said, okay, you need to go and sit somewhere where you can do something. And to my surprise, it was a computer lab at a university in Barara University of Science and Technology. And my job <laughs> was to sit in the library for the very first time at, how old was I? 18 years old, Mariam, is when I saw my first computer. Not really saw, but touched it, really. And I remember going to this library and the library lady, she was the one keeping the computers. And I asked her, I want to use one of these computers. She said, you know how to use one? I said, no, but they seem something like I would love to do. And so she helped me create my first email address. I still remember then, evelyngeek at gmail.com. <laughs> first email address I created, which I still use today. <laughs> and so for me, that was the start. From that library, I started... What made you call yourself a geek at the time? I don't know. I think, you know, like how they say words matter. Yes, I don't yes, even yes. understand how at that age, I thought that my email address would be Evelyn Geek wow. because I hadn't even you had the about... intuition, right? Maybe you had the intuition, <laughs> like Oprah said. <laughs> I hadn't thought about computer science or IT as a career, but that's literally my first email address at 18 years old. And then browse the internet. And then I told, I went back that day and told my dad, I want to do something with computers. Now, my father is old school, so he's, I don't understand. What do you mean? Is there a career for people who do computers? I said, there is, there must be a career. Whatever I do, I need to do something with computers. And so he gave me the flexibility to say, all right, you can search for any opportunities that exist. And then if you find any, let's go for it. So literally, that's how my journey started. That's amazing. Yeah. The girls and boys listening to this, I'm sure they'll be so inspired just by... I knew something about you where... Because even like your style, you're very strong as a person. Sometimes you're very strong. So I can understand how you are emulating your brothers and, and all of that. But physically, you are a very strong person. I saw you many times. And I saw you in Uganda going for yoga classes, for getting people doing some sport. So are you a marathon runner? Yes, I started running in about 2000. Actually, the time we met, I'd started running already, but low-key running because I used to work for a technology company called Orange, a telecom company. And there was a very good culture at that company. IT department had two people specifically. I remember them vividly. One gentleman was a Russian Ugandan. Another lady is Ugandan. She's now based in Paris. And they would, every evening, they would come and encourage us, guys, let's go for a walk. So they would take everyone in the IT department and say, let's go for a walk. We'll do five kilometers and come back. So that started like a habit. Every single day, every evening, we would go out for a walk and then come back. And so from a walk, after a month, we said, all right, let's run a few kilometers and then let's walk. And that built a culture in the company that I was, and that stayed with me, that I started being active and running and running. Today, I love running. I still do running. I still do sports. I do still do strength training as well, because one of the things I find very important, and I'll tell you this, coming from a third world country, one of the things that I tell people is, we know that we don't have a good healthcare system. So one of the things I want to do for my life is not to make it easy for me to get diseases and I don't have anywhere to go. So self-care is very important for me. I mean, anything that I can avoid as a person, I will avoid. And those that I can't might come, but if I have to eat well, if I have to exercise to stay in shape, anything within my power, I will do. 
No, I, I do agree. I love Uganda, by the way. You know that Uganda is like my second home. I I said to I said to people always, my retire place. I've got three retire places. Either I go to Japan, Uganda, or Mozambique. Those are my places where I just need to. Uganda, I love Uganda. I love the water. I love the air, the fresh air in Uganda. It's really amazing. The, the there are small places in Uganda. It's just when you go there, it's just beautiful. When it rains, you smell the rain. I just love it. I I love Uganda so much. I really do. So why is it important to look after your health then? I think you mentioned it earlier, but why is it important for us Africans? Now I'm 46 years old. I think about health and death and and cancer and, and diseases basically as you said. But why is it important for us as Africans as we grow, lead companies, becoming leaders? Why is it important for us to look after our health? It is very important to look after our health because when you think about it, the bodies we have today are the bodies that are going to sustain us for the years to come we are working so hard to build these companies we are working so hard to make an impact but you want to make that impact when you're not here tomorrow to see how it turned out and to say yes i did that when i look at legends like cecily bless us soul rip being able to grow and i'm sure at 96 she must have seen all of the things so for me it's things like that motivate me and we have very good food as africans we really do we have food that is grown from the ground and right now it makes me so sad when i see oh my goodness kfc people so spending $35 the other day i saw somebody in uganda spending $35 in my own eyes buying chicken and fries I was and then this person is like elite in the country. I was like, why can't you go and ask your chef to cook for you? Oh yes. That's the problem because now the elite, especially because we grow up like most of us, you've been hustling all of your life, now you get the money and people think, all right, now that I have the money, I can afford the things I thought were luxury, but really eating processed food is not a luxury. So bad, so bad. It's, it's so bad. So answering your question for me, good health means good life. and a good life means you're able to see the impact that you're creating in the world and showing up for your body every day should be a priority for everyone because then you feed it to you treat it well then it also treats you well in the long run absolutely i do agree i just wanted you to talk about this health issue because i think you are an example of uh, beauty in my view also health and i've been following you quite a lot in the way you hold yourself together but i also want to ask a little bit about your career i read an article where you mentioned that female entrepreneurs are on the rise do you have any any advice for young women looking to get into the tech industry but look after their health build the businesses be themselves be authentic and and do you have any challenges you have faced that you want to share with them oh my goodness absolutely i am so passionate about young women and girls building out careers in whatever sector but especially the ones who are thinking about technology as a place and i would say to them that they need to follow their intuition i think one of the things that especially culturally in africa where you grow up as a young girl if you do not have supportive parents to tell you you can be anything that you want to be most of them get lost in the void because they will tell them no go do secretarial studies that's what a woman does they've done a whole definition of what a woman should do and what a man should do and that robs us of a lot of opportunities of young girls who grow up to be policy makers to change the way things are done in the tech field or be most influential people in this sector 
So I would say for young girls today, they're so lucky that they have lots of mentors to look at. They have a lot of people who have come before them and they're doing things that are amazing. Let them find whatever they are passionate about and let them stick to it. The journey will not be easy. I can tell you that I know because I've walked this journey. Some of the challenges are deeply engraved into the way the structure is and the cultures are stereotypical. You enter a meeting as a woman, because you're a woman, you have in the first five minutes, literally five minutes is a lot, three minutes, to prove that you belong. The questions they ask you will show that there's a lot of doubt. Before you can even sit at the table, you have to prove a lot that, hey, I belong here, this is what I'm doing. Some things you don't find men suffering, they just come in and they'll ask them questions, but not the way they will ask for women. So having been in such scenarios where I've either walked into a meeting and I've been uh, looked down at or not been given a benefit of doubt and I have to prove myself and they have to come back later and say, oh, wow, she knows what she's talking about. Women have to build a tougher skin to adhere to all of that. It can't be too much. But I would say that if they stick to it with consistency, with good mentorship, with good looking out there for who is who has done it before, they will make it work. No, absolutely. I do agree. The other thing I was thinking about in the work you've been doing for the last five to six years is you have been really promoting women economic empowerment. I've seen some of your videos and the stuff you've been talking about at the Internet. And how do we make sure that women have access online? You focus on the sustainable development goals, all of that. Why do you think it's important to get women to be online, to have access to digital skills? Why, do you, why are you promoting this? Why this is important for you? This is such an important aspect because right now, half of the entire population is not yet online. And that is a disaster. That means people are losing out on the internet opportunities and especially for women because when you think about the consumers of most of technology even when i look at solutions that are coming out in technology for agriculture technology for fintech if you drill down to the core and look at who is benefiting from all of those technologies at the core you'll find that the women are the benefactors whether she's the one running a farm or she's the one doing uh, transactions, we do a lot. And I feel like for most of the years we've been consumers as opposed to being trailblazers, being the people at the forefront of creating these technologies. So I feel that the more women come online, the more women are empowered with digital tools, the more they can really impact the world. I would want to be in a world where solutions such as the solutions that affect women are built by women themselves. I don't want someone, a man, to build for me a solution for menstruation. No, I want a woman to do that because she understands every core of what I will go through. So having that understanding of what women go through, I think it's important to give the women the tools, give the women the resources, and allow them to get in the digital world. And if you think about it, statistics have said that when women are empowered, most of their empowerment goes back to their communities. So I feel like it's a very important aspect that women get the empowerment they need to change the world. 
Absolutely. The other thing I was going to say, that's so true what you just said. And uh, I know the work you've been doing in Uganda. And I remember coming to Uganda and, and being extremely privileged to co-founded a tech hub there, the first one in the country, actually. And uh, I remember we have so many entrepreneurs. People are so entrepreneurial. Women are so entrepreneurial. And you played a massive role, actually, into the Ugandan ecosystem. You did a wonderful work in running workshops, bringing companies, Big tech companies coming to your country have a lot of space in government. And I also know that you just created a company called Vouch Digital. Would you mind just telling us why did you do that? Because you had a tr- you tried a lot of stuff, right? You tried a lot of activities. <laughs> you are a hustler. I, I call you a tech hustler. You hustled and But also you are always going in to find what is the best solution for my country. You talk about health and food. You also work with young women. I love the fact that you hire women and you work with women in your company. But why did you create this company? Why was it necessary? So Mariam, listen, it was in 2012, if I have the year correct, there was a mudslide in one of the districts in Uganda, and uh, it's, it's a district in near the Mount Elgon, and there was a huge mudslide. People lost every belonging they had in that area, like they had no food, no place to stay, no shelter. And I remember starting one of the trending hashtags of our time back then, and I said, let me rally Twitter, Twitter people, and let's get money so that we can help these guys in the mudslides. So I created a hashtag, Tweeps Help Bududa. And we that was something that started very small. We create we were able to raise lots of money. We were able to get partners like Red Cross, partners like Aramex to help us carry goods and services to people affected by these disasters. And I remember some of my friends who were in the diaspora at the time wanted to give to the same cause. And they said, hey, we want to give, so how do we give? And I said, all right, we can use mobile money, we can use all of these different aspects. But one of the things that most of them were skeptical about was how sure are we that the money will get to the last person who gets it? And for me, that was one of the triggers for building Vouch at the very beginning, thinking about lots of fraud and corruption that happens within the systems in the country, that there's lots of money that comes trickling in. And uh, when people need to give that money, it doesn't get to the last mile. And I looked at technology and the digital payments ecosystem and how it can actually help remove the barriers, remove the third party people in the middle that take all of the money so that the end user doesn't get it. So that was really my motivation in the early stages of building the company. I was thinking about the fraud and corruption in different sectors and thinking of building an electronic platform that would help remove all of the different intermediaries that don't bring anything but actually reduce on whatever the last mile person needs to get. And that's how I built Vouch. So at the core of it, we have an electronic voucher system that would deliver goods and services to people in need, but also looking at digital payments doing that. We've since then, of course, evolved to doing lots of digital incentives and entitlements as well. And thinking about businesses, thinking about corporates and how they can use the same system to either acquire, retain and reward customers, but using the same core principles of a voucher system. So it's literally that involvement of technology and making it useful to the masses. It's fascinating. You said that. one of the things I love about Vash Digital, by the way, I'm one of the anchors of the Sustainable Development Goals, and I've been working on this for nearly 20 years now. 
And mm. the goal number 16, one of the goals I, I'm really passionate about is how do you build strong institutions and, and how do you fight corruption in Africa? And when I saw Vow Digital, I think you got nominated by Cartier Initiatives. I said, I just want to let you know that I know her and she's great. I wanted to wait at the last minute, say, please nominate her, but it was good that you are actually there. And so I think one of the things I liked about is that you are combating corruption. And I think one of the things people don't see as a charity now at I Am The Code, we, we try to pay people, but at the same time, because in the UK of the money laundering, we have to, every dollar is audited and checked. So it's really fascinating you created that. So are you having a lot of clients? Are you having a lot of attraction in Africa for your innovation and your company? From the development agency space, yes, we did. The irony of this, Marianne, is that one of the people I thought would be my biggest client was government because they do lots of disbursements. They have lots of smallholder farmers and they send lots of money to these uh, sections. And we read every day in newspapers about the corruption, the, the fraud that exists in these segments. So I thought government would be one of my biggest cheerleaders, but I was struck immediately when I started having conversations with governments that some of those- They don't people, like transparency. Thank you so Everybody. much. I'm like, guys, there's going to be transparency. You're going to see everything. They're like, excuse me, what? I don't think we like that. So interesting that I've had some of those challenges where some institutions that I thought would be my biggest cheerleaders are not. But the good thing is that the rest who are interested in transparency, especially the development agencies, the World Banks of today, the World Food Program, when they come in, they know that they need to empower real people at the last mile. And yes, we've had lots of transactions going out to people in the last mile. We've done so many transactions on the platform, we've affected over 10,000 of farmers. So that's really been one of the biggest achievements, seeing that it actually works. But most importantly, looking at the impact that the lives of those people who've received their money, because now we can track that data and see and know exactly how their lives have been changed. For me, that's a game changer. I'm all about empowering people. I'm all about changing people's lives and how things work out for them. And so when I see that impact, it makes me super happy. That's absolutely amazing. We have amazing people listening to this podcast and, and world leaders across the world. What is the message you want them to support you if you're about digital? What help do you need right now? What are the challenges? What company do you need to come forward quickly and partner with you and help you grow this business? Oh, thank you so much. I think one of the things that we are doing right now uh, is that we're building an API fast platform. So for the years that we've started, when I started Vouch, it's now coming to four years, we were doing systems that were very customized. So co companies would come to us, development agencies, and we build a customized platform for whatever they needed. We've now, since 2000, looking at the pandemic, diversified our shift and built an API platform because we wanted to reach more people. If you're a business and you want to use our voucher system for your clients, you should be able to connect. So we are building that API fast platform. And I would be interested in finding, especially payment integrators. We want to integrate with MasterCard. We want to integrate with Visa and make it even more diverse so that not only people in Uganda can use the platform, but people across the region can actually use it. So all of those partnerships with Flutterwebs or Paystacks of today, we're looking to integrate those within the platform and make it even more widespread. So I'd love partnerships in, that, in those areas, but also partnerships from any other people who need to disperse any goods and services to use the platform and really test it out and see how amazing it is. Great. I hope they are listening to you and they will come forward. Let me ask you a little bit more about the future of education in Uganda and in Africa. What is the future of education look like if we can't 
combat corruption? What do we need to do? Because girls, many young girls across the world are not having access to education because of corruption. The money is not going to the right programs. The programs are duplicated, replicated. There's no impact in the life of young girls. What, what do we need to do to make sure that the money is going to the right places for these young girls? Yes, I think the very first thing we need to do is to rethink education like we knew it. One of the things that I find fascinating is that even today in the 21st century, when you look at the curricula of what most of our young girls are learning here in Uganda, but also across of Africa, we're still looking at the ancient colonial way of studying. And that makes me so sad because what we see is that even when you invest so much in that educational system, when these kids come out, they do not have the skills that are needed immediately to be immersed into the industries or the economy and make meaningful work. So we need to start thinking about education in ways that actually impact the economy and bring these kids out with having with them being able to have skills to do the work that needs to make them have brighter futures. So that is one of the aspects I feel that we need to do rethinking education. But number two, we must and we must invest in the education ecosystem, first of all, and do it at, of course, from the higher level policymakers. But I feel like children need to get the education they deserve. In this day and age, it's not right to find that they're girls who don't even have access to education because of still cultural implications. You're a girl and supposed to go to school. Why would that be an, a reason in this day and age? So I think we still need to advocate and be loud enough to say, we are women. The children today, they have amazing role models. If you have a child okay. growing up, they're like, oh, there's a vice president who's a woman and I'm just coming up. They will never know the struggle, but that's amazing. And that's yeah. We nearly, your podcast is nearly finishing, but I want to ask you a couple of questions. We teach coding at I Am The Code and we're very passionate about STEM education and you are actually one of the advocate of uh, STEM education across Africa, but also you are one of the, our proud global ambassador. Why do you think coding is important? I know you develop your stuff. You're always learning about tech and innovation. Why do you think coding is important today? Oh my goodness, coding gives you the right to, when I think about code, I look at it as a musician. If you're a musician and you're putting together all of the different aspects of music and creating it and making it work so that your audience can actually enjoy it. This is how I think about code in those ways. Finding something that is really abstract and putting code together to build a solution that actually makes sense and impacts the world. And I feel like young girls need to be a part of that now more than ever. We need more girl engineers. We need more girl influencers. With everything that is going on in the world, with the covid 19 imagine how awesome it would be when the girls are at the forefront of finding all of these vaccines, but also coding and becoming whatever they need to be. So for me, code is one of those beginning factors of saying you can use code to develop something that comes out to life and it actually impacts the world. And girls need to be on that train. I don't think any girls should be left behind to doing court. It gives you mm. the ability to open up your mind and to do more. And that's the foundation of being a great person in the world. 
Absolutely. That's wonderful. You had a lot of upside downs. You work very hard to be where you are today. You're still young and you're still improving yourself. I know that you are a learner. You are a self-assessed person who assess your strength and your weaknesses and trying to be better. But you, everything you've done so far, which I am personally very proud as your senior, I'm very proud of how I see you growing and, and owning your story, your personality. What would you say to the youngest Evelyn Namara today? That 18 years old who almost nagged the library. That actually makes me super emotional. When, when, and every time I think about that question, it makes me emotional because I would tell that young Evelyn that it will be okay. It will always be okay. Always works out in the end. You just have to stick to the journey. I don't know anyone who has been super successful without being consistent to the journey. One of the things you said in the beginning is that people look at the end product. They're like, oh my goodness, look at how, where she is part of my journey, where people come from. And without that consistency, without that going and learning and coming back and being knocked down and going back at it, you can't be the person that you, you have to be. So I'll tell the younger Evelyn that, hey, listen, girl, it will be okay. Just stick to the journey and keep consistent. Oh, that's so beautiful. Okay, finish this sentence. Forgiveness is? Wow, forgiveness is finding grace in knowing that everyone deserves a chance. Redemption is? Redemption is having a second opportunity at life. Love is? Love is light. Every number you are making me cry. I am so honored to have you on this podcast. You have honored yourself. Let me tell you this before we finish. And I love seeing my job is to give visibility to people and, and put them out there. But you have done me so proud and your country proud, your fellow citizens in Uganda, but also all of us across Africa in the tech scene. So thank you so much for coming on the I Am The Code podcast. I'm very proud of you. Mario, can I just say one last word, Mario? I would be amiss if I left this podcast without telling you what an impact you've been in my life. And for every young girl listening in today, I want to tell them that when I said emulate someone and know someone who's better than you and look at what makes them great and use that, you've been that beacon of light in my life. You helped raise me up. You gave me a platform when I had none. You said, Evelyn, come speak at this event. You can do it. And that's really who you are. You've been that person who's believed even when I didn't think that I deserved. So I want to thank you for the work that you do. I want to thank you for your impact in my life. And I want to thank you for continuing to shine a light on so many young girls in the world. Thank you so much. It's my absolute pleasure. Bye, Evelyn. Thank you so much for coming. We can do so many things together, but our health is absolutely important. And I think loving and talking to Evelyn about taking care of our health, eating well, being present, meditating, going for hiking and doing some sport as a woman is absolutely important with men as well but it's really crucial that we take care of our health because we have a very short time on this earth and if we don't take care of our bodies eat well i don't think we're gonna last long absolutely not and you can see with covid19 the people that have been affected the most are the people that didn't have a good health so let's take care of our health invest in that eat well sleep well 
There's no urgency. No urgency. You've been listening to the I Am The Code podcast. I'm your host, Mariam Jam. Please come back again soon for another I Am The Code episode. I want to thank you so much for being here. Remember to include people in your organization. We're a very small team at I Am The Code dedicated to making the world a better place by creating amazing, inspiring content for people who want to be better and do better. Remember to subscribe and support us. Donate to I Am The Code and help girls all across the world. I want to thank you for being my friend. Thank you for listening. And thank you for all the feedback you've been giving me on the podcast. I am improving it, making it better so you can enjoy it more. Thank you and goodbye. See you next Friday.